Hello, everyone. Welcome to Caves Across Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we're here to tell you what to think, how to feel, uh, <laughs> that you exist. And if you say, well, who are you? Well, who are you? That's the <laughs> that's, real question. That's right. And who are you to tell you that you do or not exist? That's right. Right. So that's what we're uh, well, that's what we're doing. We're <laughs> we're trying to find the basis for why any of us can say really anything, um, and we're going through um, uh, James Anderson's book, uh, "Why Should I Believe Christianity?" And yeah. uh, we're kind of right in the middle of it. We yeah. we just began chapter four, and we kind of proved God is a necessary being, which means that He must exist, right. and He's not contingent, even though everything else in existence right. is the universe and everything in it is is contingent. That is, it's dependent on something else for its existence. Right. God isn't right, right, right. <laughs> and that ev- yeah, everything else in the universe is is. Uh, not necessary. That's right. So that r- really makes you feel small in an ever small <laughs> universe. That is until the Pentagon released the alien bodies. That's so right. We feel even smaller. So, so uh, we're going to continue. At least we won't be alone, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, we're we're starting off uh, the bat with uh, uh, God and values, and uh, we're we're kind of uh, a quarter of the way through uh, chapter four. If you're following along with us, and uh, so um, hopefully you've picked up the book. Um, available in Kindle and uh, in physical form, and all those links are included in the links below. So uh, that's where we're going to start with uh, God and values. So w- one of the things that we do all the time, usually without thinking it, is to make value judgments. Uh, you're just too judgy. Yes, yeah, everyone yeah. is too judgy. Too judgmental. Absolutely. Yeah. We are, we are all judgy, whether we like it or not. We'll think or say that something is good or bad. In extreme cases, we'll even use concepts like perfect person is perfect for me or that painting is just the perfect representation of classicalism or something or evil Mm. and of course we've we in the past four years we haven't heard anything about anything evil or comparison (laughs) to anything evil so so it's just been hunky-dory recently so sometimes these judgments are clearly subjective in the sense that depends on your own personal taste or preferences like I cannot stand Verners. I know a Michigander can't stand Verners. I'm kicked out of the state, but yeah. you know what? At this point, but ugh, Verners right. is evil to yeah. me. Well, unfortunately, Patrick, <laughs> that is a personal taste <laughs> or preference. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about here in this particular section hmm. of this chapter. Okay. Right? Not all value judgments are subjective and person relative. You know, in that way. Some are objective value judgments in the sense that, uh, you know, something like when we make those judgments, we're saying that something is good or bad, regardless of what anyone's personal taste is or their preferences or what they think. Right. right? That's the uh, that's what we're getting at. Right. Those types of value judgments that are not person related. Right. So the the serial killer can have the preference for curing, killing cereal. Yeah. I'm assuming yeah. Count Dracula and Lucky Charms. <laughs> that's right. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what that means. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but Cocoa uh, Puffs. But we, we could say the, the the things that he is doing is evil, regardless of him believing right. opposite. Right. So when you kill uh, Count Dracula <laughs> and Captain Crunch, right? Yeah. That, yeah. Those are evil, right? right. <laughs> or how about this? Uh, the discovery of antibiotics. Right. Antibiotics is uh, we say is a good thing. Right. Uh, when it's, and we say uh, the Holocaust is a bad thing. Right. Right. Uh, and we just don't mean I, I prefer not to. Yeah. The Holocaust, I prefer not to. Yeah. Yeah. Penicillin, is, you know what? I could I could give or take. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> right. So indeed, you know, we would even probably say the Holocaust was a supreme evil thing. No thinking person, our author tells us, really believes that, uh, 
You know, these value judgments are merely matters of personal taste or cultural preference, right? I mean, the Holocaust was bad uh, regardless of culture or personal taste. Yeah. Right? It was just evil, period, right. universally speaking. And right? as, as part of our zeitgeist now, it is uh, cemented as that kind of, oh, well, at least it's not the Holocaust. That's right. what we're always comparing, even though yeah. there have been things that have happened that are way worse as terms of bodies or, or torture experiments or what, what have you. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it still sits in our mind that th- this is going on in the Western world and not some backwater area with the, the height of, of a, uh, a superpower that uh, rose, fell after World War One, rose again, mm. and uh, now carried this out. Yeah, okay, Hitler was a bad guy, but... Then, you know, you... you, well, you, yeah. you so was Pol Pot. Right. So was, you know, uh, Germany. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Russia and China. Right, I mean, right. you know, we could go on and on. 20th century was really a bad right. time for right. things happening, yeah. right, being bad. I mean, you had cultural revolution. I mean, it, granted, once people thought of World War and then a second one and then the nuclear age, I mean, it just piled on people. And so, yeah. Some folks have estimated that over a hundred million people were killed during the 20th century. Right? Yeah. That's uh that's a lot of people. We can do so it more efficiently. Ex- the Holocaust <laughs> was extremely evil. It was bad, but there has been, you know, and, and there are lots of bad mm. things. Right. And so when yeah. you have uh, people in position of power, they might say, Oh, what we need is the next, you know, bubonic plague to come in and wipe people out because there's just too many people. Mm. Can can we say that's good? Can yeah. we say that's bad? Yeah. Where where what standing do we have to yeah, say it's right. good? Right. So how or do bad? we how do we make those types of judgments? Right. Right. So uh, now, what does this have to do with the existence of God? Hmm. Okay. Here's the argument: any objective value judgment presupposes means that it takes for granted uh, some objective standard or criterion of judgment some objective standard of goodness by which things can be judged. So in order to say something is bad, we have to have a standard that we're judging right, it by, right? right? Uh, and and say, based on this, it's bad. We just can't say something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So we have to have a standard. So, so I, whenever those value judgments yeah. presuppose a, a particular objective standard. Right. right? So I, I draw a circle. It's perfect circle. And you draw a square. And I say, which one is the better uh, circle? Well, right. yours with the sides. Yeah. I'm sorry, it doesn't make the cut. Right. My, right. Mine, mine tries to get as, as close to that that objective standard of a circle, yeah. so, something without sides. Now, granted, I, I'm g- going to be even more flawed because it's not perfect. It's not drawn by a robot or, or something along those lines that can get to the micron. Uh, the, the shift of the Earth's axis is off <laughs> even for that. Uh, but we still have this, this objective standard that we're trying to meet and compare it to. Right. And so... Right. How, how does that hap, uh, involve God? But what's more is that the, the standard has to be also independent of us. Mm. It's not just, I drew a circle, therefore you have to match my circle for it to be a perfect circle. Right, right. Well, no, that's that's not what a perfect circle is right, because right. Uh, we don't factor into the definition of a circle at all. Right. So, so for instance, let's go back to the Holocaust, right? Well, Hitler might have thought that was good, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Everybody else thinks it's evil, so... You know, we have to have an objective standards that goes beyond what individuals think, right? Or even cultures think in order to say that it's truly objective, right? It has to be uh, this independent of us, uh, our personal values, and cultural and social values. Right, right. That's the idea of objectivity. Right. And furthermore, the objective standard must represent, uh, in this case, for good and bad, 
pure goodness, right? In other words, in order in order to say something is evil, we have to have a, a, a an objective standard that is good, right? It must be absolutely good. Otherwise, it couldn't serve as the final standard of what is good and evil mm-hmm. or good and bad. If the standard were absolutely good, if it wasn't that, uh, it, if it was a mixture, let's say, of good and bad, then there would be, have to be some higher standard, right, by which we would have to judge that standard, Right. And so it, and if we have an ultimate standard, an absolute standard, then it has to be, for instance, in this case, absolutely good. Can't be a mixture of good and bad. Otherwise, there'd be something that how do we know it's bad? Well, we'd have to judge it by something else. Mm-hmm. Right. So it has to be an absolute standard. And so what he's getting at here, he tells us the upshot is that our uh, objective value judgments take for granted that there's something, uh, there's some absolute standard or measure of goodness by which everything else uh, can be judged. Right. right. That's the that's the, what he's getting at, and so that kind of what is what brings God into the picture here. Right. right. And so here's the the crucial question: Which worldview makes sense of our objective value judgments? Which worldview is most consistent with our assumptions that some things are objectively good and other things are objectively bad? Mm-hmm. Things that are, uh, the standard is outside of mankind or uh, the universe. As many philosophers have recognized, the naturalist worldview faces real difficulties in the, these areas, right? Yeah, it's because if the universe came from nothing and it has no objective meaning or purpose, then what sense does it make to say that, you know, some things in the universe are objectively good or objectively bad, Right. right? If everything reduces to physical particles and forces, then what basis could there be for an objective value judgment, Mm -hmm. right? What sense does it make to say that, you know, one arrangement, for instance, of uh, physical particles is any better or worse than any other arrangement of physical particles, right? Right. If that was just the the only thing that we had to look at. Right, right? yeah. It's not like this other arrangement of particles. That's what you used to say. You're just then comparing a physical makeup or, that's, or that's right. as, as a, as a comparison and not even a standard. Right. <laughs> so here's the, the basic problem for the naturalist, right? Uh, if we say that some aspects of the universe are objectively good, like butterflies, for example, right. uh, yes. uh, you know, chocolate, something like that. <laughs> and other aspects are objectively bad diseases, uh, peanuts and ice cream, you know, along those same lines. (laughs) Uh, There must be some standard of goodness independent of the universe by which we're judging those different aspects of the universe. Mm. And that standard must be pure goodness. There must be that objectiveness. But according to the naturalists, nothing exists except for the universe, right? All all that uh, is there is uh, what kind of nature gives us. And you can kind of cut it as saying, uh, well, whatever does the most uh, benefit or whatever adds to survival. Um, and, you know, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Uh, but those, who's, who's those benefit still, and who's survival? Right. And who's, right. who's, who's standard? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I bring in the old cliche for us presuppositionalists, but by what standard? Is, yeah. is, is, it tends to be the, the key yeah. question here. So it's precisely this problem that... Uh, for the naturalist that nothing exists except the universe, that this problem, which has led many naturalists to deny that our objective value judgments have a meaningful connection with reality. 
Right. So, so uh, especially in this was really big in the early 20th uh, century with the logical positivists right. and so forth. They argued. Uh, in fact, David Hume was one of the first ones to kind of put this together. Not the first, but, you know, he argued that basically our value judgments are based on our emotions. Right. It was called emotivism. <laughs> right. Uh, it's what we like or dislike because there was no real objective standard outside of our own personal Preferences. Right. Yeah. So, so you're, you could have a, a, a standard of, uh, well, I think whatever's most stable for society is good. And so upending slavery would be bad because that would do the most harm to society as a whole right. would upend it. Yeah. It might benefit a few million people. It might uh, drive uh, labor costs uh, uh, through the roof, uh, but then find a, an, uh, an equilibrium. It might uh, add to an innovation, but that that that's all. I mean, you're you're throwing dice in the dark in in, in that period. Yeah. So no, no to slavery because the the highest good is what's best for society. Yeah. All right. So yeah, by whose standard? Yeah, right. 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 And we're back to that. Right. Right. So it should be fairly clear that the Christian worldview doesn't face the same problem as having no way to make these types of value judgments. Right. No real ultimate standard. Uh, according to the Christian worldview, God is absolutely good, and God exists independently of the universe, right. right? So, you know, there is indeed an absolute, ultimate, objective standard of goodness by which things then can be judged to be either good or bad, right? because God is that standard from the uh, Christian worldview perspective, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, you know, in short, if something is objectively good, then it reflects the character of God. And it conforms to the will of God. And if something is objectively bad, it is uh, opposed to what uh, is objectively good, which is God, his good character, and his will. Which right. is almost what we see revealed in the Bible. Yeah, that, amazing, uh, isn't by, it? By, yeah. by my own name, I swear, because there's nothing higher. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, come let us reason together, because the, God is a, a reasoning God. Mm -hmm. uh, here, Here's my standard to, to do this. Uh, you fall out of favor, you are drunkard, or... Uh, in in uh, debt or in trouble, um, and so uh, following uh, uh, God's ways is His standard. Uh, it, it, because we live in a fallen world, it doesn't get you out of all the the trappings of life. Uh, but um, it's following in what uh, the Creator of the universe has created us to be. And so it's like following a train track. Right. Uh, you know, if, if we're staying on the train track, then we're doing what we're supposed to be. We're getting uh, progression down to, to uh, our final destination. And then um, uh, to, to, to veer off would be to, to go our own way. And the train is doing what it's not designed to do. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and so oftentimes, you, you know, I mean, that's the, it's the argument people, I've heard use why we should be obedient to God, right? It's kind of like the train saying, I want freedom. Get me off of this track. Right. Well, wait a minute. The train is made for the track, right? Mm -hmm. And we're made for obedience to God. And so if we try to get off the track, we'll become useless, meaningless, and worthless, and purposeless, <laughs> and all those types of things, right? So the, uh, the Christian worldview makes sense of the objective value judgments that we make as a matter of routine. Right, including our assumption that such judgments are actually grounded in reality rather than grounded in fiction or our own just our own preferences. Right. And that sort right. Of thing. right. Here's a smart person. I follow after that smart person. Right. Okay. Well, that's just a, a person you prefer. 
which is a personal preference. Uh, if suddenly that person said something extremely opposite of what you uh, find of value, you might disavow that person. So if that person that really isn't your standard, you're that standard. Yeah. So there's yeah. the, where the autonomy and, and, um, um, theonomy comes into mm. play there. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the same line of reasoning can be stated in a slightly different way in terms of our concept, uh, concept of perfection. Okay. So, so, per, so perfection is similar to this objective about good or bad. Right. right. Yeah. So I doubt you believe that the universe is perfect just as it is, right? We're always trying to uh, bend the will of creation. It's trying to kill us. And so we need to uh, <laughs> stop the forest fires from happening because right. forest fires are a bad thing. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to stop disease or uh, we, we uh, put up fences so that uh, uh, animals don't kill our animals that uh, feed us. Uh, so there are, there, there's aspects of the universe of nature uh, that we view as a bad thing. We, we shoot uh, uh, asteroids out of the sky or, or, or send uh, uh, drillers up there to, 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 <laughs> to do, you know, to, to blow them up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine you think the universe could be better than it is right now. But if we say that the universe is imperfect, we're assuming there is some standard or criterion of perfection mm. by which the universe can be judged to be less than perfect. Right. And that standard must be independent of the universe it must transcend the universe. It must, uh, um, um, you know, be above it. And since the universe is, uh, and since the universe is a subject to it. So what is that standard of perfection? Well, uh, here's where our, our uh, Sunday school uh, comes into, in, into play. Of course, you know, for the naturalist, there's no meaningful answer to that question, right? Uh, which is why naturalism has to fall back to subjectivism. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the universe is expanding and it could be expanding, contracting, expanding, contracting for all eternity. There's nothing outside the universe expanding into what? I'm not sure, but science will get us there one day. We just need to believe in the science. That's right. But for the Christian, the answer is obvious. God is the standard of perfection because absolute being is by definition perfect in every respect. So if we deny that God is perfect, we're tactically assuming some other standard of perfection. Right. And so such criterion by which uh, we judge God to be less than perfect, in which case that standard is functioning as the real God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So once again, something we take for granted in our everyday lives drives us to acknowledge the reality of God. Only of the assumption that God exists can we make sense of value judgments we make about ourselves, others and the universe we inhabit. Mm. Oh, that person isn't conforming to my standard. Okay, that person is conforming to their standard. So, you know, what does it matter? Who Who is to say uh, the, the standard has the, the most value? Uh, you know, you, you can you can look at all the, uh, the conquerors of the world and Alexander the Great. Is what he did good or bad? Well, it depends on whose side yeah. you're on, right? If you talk to him, guess what? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, the, 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 the very fact that at 26 he conquers the known world. Yeah. And m- meanwhile, I'm like... Trying to find a job, and he, he's like, you know what, I I got this. Or a diaper, yeah, <laughs> for my kids, <laughs> right. for my kids. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, but you know, did he kill a lot of people? Yes. Is, it, that person's standard is, I don't want to die uh, to to Alexander the Great's troops. Yet here here we are. We're at an impasse. Who's to say? Right. Yeah. So. Uh, only on the assumption that God exists can we make sense of the value judgments we make about ourselves, others, and the universe we inhabit. Right, right. And so this gets us to kind of a, a uh, so we move kind of uh, values in general 
to values, a more specific uh, discussion of values in this book, in this next section, right? Mm -hmm. God and morality. He says this third argument he wants to offer uh, is really an extension of the one that we've just had. So if you agree that, you know, the most important value judgments we make in life are moral judgments, then now we have the same kind of questions with these kind of judgments, right? We believe that some actions are good and right, while others are bad and wrong, and in some cases even wicked or evil actions. And some of these moral judgments are based on subjective taste or personal interest, but many times they aren't. They're objective moral judgments, right? Right. <clears throat> So when we agree that it's wrong that, of course, what the Nazis did to the Jews or what the Islamic State has done to innocent civilians in Iraq or Syria or uh, vice versa, you know, we don't mean merely that it's wrong for us and by implications, not wrong for them. Right. It's just it is. It's wrong, period. It's it's, it's either a statement of fact, like uh, uh, a hospital was bombed by terrorists, but then to say it is wrong that terrorists bombed a hospital is a completely separate question that that you're you're bringing in so is it is it wrong is it right or is it neither and it's just a it's just a fact so no we mean that it's morally wrong period it's not just a matter of different personal preferences or cultural traditions or whose side of the street you're on or uh, whose fingers on the button it's just (laughs) wrong what these murderous people have done is objectively immoral right that's the bottom line. Right. And so the moment we say objectively wrong, right, the Nazis, what they did was objectively wrong. Yeah, right? they ought not to do it. So that's let's right. look out for your oughts and shoulds. Should, that's <laughs> right. Uh, so the moment we say that, we're assuming that moral, that uh, there are moral standards and that, uh, you know, they're objective and absolute, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're presupposing there are moral laws which transcend human individuals and our societies as well. And uh, so who or what counts or accounts, we might say, for these moral standards or laws? How do we, where do they come from? What's the source of them? That sort of thing. And so once again, he tells us that this is a glaring problem for the atheist uh, worldviews like naturalism. According to such worldviews like naturalism, the universe has no ultimate meaning or purpose, Right. And so in the end, there is no right or wrong way for the universe to be, mm. right? It's simply what it is, right? Right. And so the only ultimate laws are the laws of physics for the naturalist, but the laws of physics, notice, have nothing to say about morality, right? They, uh, the laws of physics tell us about uh, how things, uh, we might say, do behave, mm-hmm. right? But they don't tell us about how things ought to behave, right? Right. And so if that's all the laws that we have or those are the only things that exist in the physical world is the only thing that we exist and we have no ought in that type of naturalistic world. Right. Right. Uh, they're just bodies in motion. That's, that's all right. there. That's right. So in contrast, though, the Christian worldview makes sense of our moral judgments. Uh, there are transcendent moral laws because there is a transcendent moral lawgiver that we derive uh, from uh, uh, that source and uh, even more so because we're made in the image of that uh, lawmaker, 
uh, we re- can reflect and, and maintain those, those uh, um, transcendent moral laws. Mm. Moral laws cannot come from an impersonal source. They must come from a personal source. And uh, this is part of uh, William Lane Craig's uh, further uh, unpacking of the Kalam argument, right. uh, whether God is impersonal or personal. And, uh, uh, and, and, and you recall also that Mitch Stokes talked about mm-hmm. the same thing. Yep. You have, in order for you know, uh, morality to exist, you have to have a person. Right. right, because moral values are our personal values, mm-hmm. right? Right. So it must come from a personal uh, personal source and one with moral authority, mm-hmm. so a moral being. Yeah. If the universe is God's creation, then God has authority over us. He made us for the purpose, and therefore he has the right to say how we should live. Right. Again, think back to the computer program. The programmer can decide what bits or bytes or parts of the program uh, can uh, uh, interact or uh, and. Uh, carry out uh, whatever job is needed. And so um, if some level of, of sentience is, is, is done to that uh, computer program and they uh, go outside the program or uh, the, the, the person who created the code gives it to the uh, code maker to expand upon uh, a, a secondary line of code, then that person can mess up the code syntax error. Well, Unfortunately, you fell outside the, the lines of what the code maker had. Let's take it back to the source. Hey, why is this? Oh, right. well, you didn't add a, uh, a tilde at, at the beginning. <laughs> no, it's just yeah. Okay. yeah. HTML coding is one of those things. It's I'm, I'm forgetting a slash or a space <laughs> or an underscore. It's, it's something so good. Exactly. So, um, so, um, so the universe is God's creation, and so he's the one that has authority over, right? He has the right to say uh, how it should be and how we should live, right? God's laws have real then moral force, um, but, you know, they aren't arbitrary or capricious because only God commands um, uh, what is consistent with his perfect love and his goodness and his good purposes for the creation, right? In short, God gives us moral laws for our own good. They come out of his good character, right? And so they're his we might say, uh, instructions for us, right? So objective moral judgments then presuppose that there is uh, there's a God who has given us those uh, moral judgments. Right, right. right. And, and this falls right in line with uh, the, the God of uh, uh, Judaism and, and Christianity. Uh, it's a God that enters into creation and interacts with his creation, reveals himself, uh, uh, t- tells us in which way to stay on the path and uh, to warn us of uh, what happens uh, when we f- fall off. And uh, it's a constant, um, um, you know, uh, reforming the remnant and, and continuing on until uh, Christ comes to, to very much solidify those kind of two worlds of, of the, the, the physical and the spiritual and, 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 um, really bringing them together. Right. Uh, obviously, that's happened a lot more, but in in the nature and the person of Christ, it's it's fully formed up. Right. So, in order to have a uh, you know even morality to exist, God has to exist, right? We have right. to have a person who is uh, absolute, you know, and and, uh, and authoritative in order to determine what is ultimately morally right or wrong. We can say, well, each one individually can determine something, but that's, that's not objective, right? It's not independent of us. 
nor is it based on our culture because, you know, Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) And all those Nazis always ruining the fun for everyone. So in order to have an objective standard of right and wrong, uh, you know, God has to exist. And so that's the point that he's trying to make here, right? right? So in, in, in terms of general values, we've seen that God has to exist. And in terms of moral values, he's, He's, uh, he's um, showed us that God has to exist. Um, why don't we end it there and then uh, move on to his next argument, we might say, right. um, uh, next time. Right. So uh, next time uh, we'll finish up the chapter where we'll go over reason, uh, the mind, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of talk about why. Yeah. <laughs> why, why should we care and yeah. how do we care? <laughs> uh, so as always, uh, we appreciate you uh, checking us out, uh, throwing us likes, uh, sharing this around. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed, um, uh, what, uh, Anderson has uh, brought to the table and, um, have checked out, uh, his, uh, his links in, uh, the description below as well. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you back next time so we can talk about more of the mind. Yeah. We'll see you next time.